got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we're continuing on in the promises of God, right? A remedy that we have for a broken spirit. Got a tough one today. Right, Tim? <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, as we get there, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, we're going to read through 30. Scripture reads, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As we keep going through this, have you ever just thought that you can find rest in a restless world? Can you really find true rest in a restless world? And as we dig into this, let's just be honest, 2020 hadn't turned out like we'd hoped, right? You've heard us say, even as staff, we've been more prepared for this year than ever just to throw it all out the window two months in, okay? But maybe this is how you look to the beginning of the year. I was prepared, and this is what really happened. Yeah, doesn't matter how prepared you are, right? There's always a chink in the armor along the way. Uh, maybe uh, as you're going along, you got to remember the number one rule from Dr. Brown. Rule number one, when you get in your time card, never set it to 2020, right? So whenever we can travel in time, just remember, skip this year. You don't need to relive it, all right? Uh, but as we're getting back into school, there's a math problem going around. I really like this math problem. And you may need to help some students, right, Ms. Julia? We may need to help some students with this one. If 2020 was a math problem, if you're going down a river at two miles an hour and your canoe loses a wheel, how much pancake mix would you need to reshingle your roof? <laughs> that pretty much sums this year up, right? Some of you, you know, will get paper out and start going for it, huh? Good luck. If you get an answer, see me afterwards. I'd, I'd love to see an answer. Uh, we've learned how to greet people differently at church, right? Y'all remember the Brady Bunch and Zoomcast? Just kind of look around. Yeah, none of y'all are laughing at that one, right? Y'all don't like that. It's like, we want to go back to the way we used to greet people at church. I know. All right, and then lastly here, how did Pharaoh think about 2020? Ramsey's watching you complain about just one plague. Amateurs. Y'all don't know what y'all are talking about. Wait till the ninth and tenth one, tenth one come along, okay? So be prepared. Be ready. And just 2020 is not turning out how we had hoped, right? But in the midst of the year, in the middle of a global pandemic, Wildfires raging all in, all in the West Coast. A hurricane last week wipes out half the state of Louisiana. Wipes out. I mean, from the coast all the way up to the Arkansas line, 90% of power gone. I heard the, I heard, uh, the uh, parish, uh, parish president for Lake Charles get up and say 90% of trees are damaged. And I'm like, how can you just assume 90% of trees are damaged? Well, when we drove there last week, 90% of trees are damaged. <laughs> because I didn't see one that wasn't. The only one that didn't look damaged was still laying on its side because the wind blew it over, but it looked like a great tree if they just put it back up. 90% of trees are damaged from where a hurricane is hit. But in the midst of hurricane, in the midst of global pandemic, in the midst of everything going on, we have protests in cities. We have in cities and communities across the country. We have schools that are trying to start, not start. But just a feeling of when you look at the news and when you look around in our own community, not what we see on TV, but what we interact with. There's a lot of people that just seem angry. They just seem angry. 
right, wrong, and different. They're just angry about a lot of things. And it doesn't matter what side you're on. People are just angry because they're tired and they're fed up and they are burned out. And they're angry about politics, sports, work, family, school, and the list goes on and on and on. So can we really say that we can find rest in a restless world starting today? We got four more months of this year. But at the end of the year, we don't hit a reset button and all of a sudden things start over and everything goes back to normal. So holding out for January 1 is not going to be effective because December 31st problems are going to carry right into the next day. January 1 is not a miracle waiting to happen every year. We can reset, we reboot, we try, but our diets don't last that long, right? Your January 1 diet still hanging in there? <laughs> Mine went out the window December 31st. <laughs> it just was done. All right? God promises us. So when we talk about finding rest in a restless world, remember this definition that we gave a couple, a couple of weeks ago for a whole sermon series? A growing disciple joyfully embraces the patterns, priorities, and purposes of Jesus, the purpose of Jesus. That word joyful is in there. That's Tim's word, by the way. He put that in there. Good job, Tim. You know why? Because we need joy. Because when we sit and we look at the circumstances around us, we don't find happiness. But when we talk about finding rest in a restless world, we talk about Jesus and who he is, we should have joy at all times. We should have joy in spite of our circumstances. And we should have joy, and in that joy we should be growing as we embrace the patterns and priorities and the purpose of Jesus. Because we should still be ministering, and we should still be growing, even in our walk with God, despite in spite of what goes on around us. So as we dive into this text, as we dive into the sermon, are you going to experience rest? If we're going to experience rest, we must embrace what Jesus embraces. But first, we have to accept his invitation. Verse 28 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Jesus says, Come to me. Literally, it says, Come now to me. It's an invitation, and Jesus offers this invitation. Now, who's the crowd that he's talking to? If you look up a little farther, he's just talking to a multitude of people. This isn't just his disciples. This is disciples plus. It may be more disciples that are outside the 12. It may be the group of 40. It may be the group of 70. It may be a larger group than that, but it's probably also just general people that just want to hear who this guy is because Jesus is going city to city, and he's preaching. And as he's preaching, he's just talking and says, come to me, come to me. Also understand, there's probably Pharisees in the group. He says, come to me, because the invitation is the same to all. Just as he says to the disciples, do not hinder the children from coming to me. Just as he invites fishermen to follow him. Just as in two chapters earlier, he looks at a tax collector and says, Matthew, follow me. Just as he looks throughout the rest of the Gospels and says, follow me, and some people, and it says some left him, some chose not to follow him. Just as he looks through all these people and they accept or they refuse, Jesus' invitation is always the same. Come to me. Come to me, all who are heavy and heavy laden and who labor. Jesus extends this invitation to be his disciple. Whether it's the first step or the next step in your walk, Jesus' invitation is the same. Come to me. Whether you're sitting out there and you're like, I've come today and I don't know why I'm in church today. Something has drawn me here. I turned it on Facebook and this was what 
pulled up, and I haven't turned, the, turned, turned to something else yet. Come to me, those who are burdened and heavy laden. There may be people sitting out here that they've come with the weight of the world on their shoulders. Because what are these labors? What are these burdens that we carry? Because as he's talking to this crowd, there's people that are sitting out there, and there's people sitting out here today listening. You've come, and all you know is, I've just got to be a good person, and I hope I can make it to heaven. I've got to be a good person, and maybe, maybe I can tip the scales to be good enough to make it into heaven. And you come with that burden in your life. Because you come with the burden of your sins and your consequences of your sins. You've come with the messiness of your actions as you try to live for yourself. And you come with the burden of trying to understand how good is good enough when we worship and we believe in a holy, perfect God. But maybe we've come as church members with heavy burdens because we still try to work our way into heaven. We've accepted Christ. Christ has come in and changed us. Maybe it's not our first step. Maybe it's our next step. And what we do is like, you know what? I got Jesus, so now I just need to work really hard because he may take it back from us. We prayed a prayer of assurance of your salvation. Some of you come in here and you're not sure. But we get in this pattern of, of if I just do enough, maybe God will appreciate me more. Maybe God will see my worth, my value. God already knows your value. He sees your worth. The problem is you don't see it. And there's that burden and that heaviness that you come. Jesus' invitation is the same to you. Come. Come to me. And so when it comes to us as a disciple, whether it's your first step or next step, we have to come. That's an invitation that we have. And that invitation starts right now. Come and I will give you rest. Because sitting out there, if you don't come to Jesus, you won't find rest in this life. Jesus says, come and I will give you life. Come and I will give you rest and I will give you rest. He also says, not just come to Jesus, but also walk with Jesus. You want to take your burdens off of you? Walk with Jesus. He says, take up my yoke upon you. And then in verse 30, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when I think yoke, I don't think light. I don't think non-restrictive. I think yokes are pretty restrictive to me. So let me give you an illustration here. First off, the best part of this illustration is, in case you didn't know, the first one on the left said these are oxen. Okay, just in case you didn't know what an ox was, there, there's an ox. They got the label right. But a yoke is this beam that goes across. Now, if you notice, there's two in here, and there's pegs that hold up the strap of the bow, and then you got the hitching point. I looked in several pictures, and I finally settled on this one because I had no idea because some of them have a ring that go down where that rope is. And I'm like, I have no idea what that ring's for. Luckily, this illustration helps all of us out. Okay, so that bar goes back to where the plow is or where the wagon is and these oxen pull. And as he pulls, it says, walk with Jesus, take my yoke upon you. This is for those that have accepted the invitation to come. When you come, understand you're submitting under the yoke of Jesus. When we talk about a yoke, this is actually symbolism that's written here for one person is subject to another. So you yoke yourself next to the other ox. You yoke yourself with the team. And it symbolizes in Israelites' time an obedience and acceptance to the responsibility. So when you say, I'm coming to you, Jesus, or when Jesus says, come, take up my yoke, he says, partner up with me, come next to me. Get under the yoke. So Jesus is on one side and you're on the other. 
So we're walking with Jesus, which is clearly a slap in the face of the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees taught, come and take the yoke of the law. Come and take the yoke of the law. So when Jesus says, come and take up my yoke, Pharisees don't appreciate that. Because they've been taught all their life, take up the yoke of the law upon you. Every morning when you wake up, here's a list of do's and don'ts. You know, if you're a good, if you're a good Israelite, you got this long sheet. Here's your do's and don'ts. This is what you can do, what you, what you can't do. Hopefully by the end of the day, you check off enough of the do's. And you don't check off a lot of the don'ts that you've crossed. And then you're a good Israelite. But the Pharisees' interpretation of the law is an extensive list of prescriptions that crushes and burdens people. Because they took the law and they said, this is God's law. Let us tell you how this is interpreted. You can only walk this many steps on a Sabbath or it's considered work. Now mark it off in your yard so you know where you cross that line. And they would just start giving all these lists and lists and lists. It's not the, it's not the commandments. This is things they've added on. This is things that they've created. And this stack and stack of scrolls get larger and larger over the years. What happens is, is the Pharisees, the government, the lawyers get involved. And they make the commandments of God extremely complicated for you and me to live by. So Jesus even says in Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4, and even verse 13, it says, Jesus said to the crowds and the disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit at Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. So he come, Jesus comes back later and says, you're the one putting this heavy burden upon the people. As you try to live up to these laws, Jesus says, come, take my yoke, walk with me. It's easy, not because the discipleship is any less demanding in Jesus' world, not because he says, let me tell you what you don't have to do. He just says, come, walk with me. I'll show you what you need to do. And it brings rest through a simple commitment to him. Now, for me, type B personality. I love this right? I love this. Just walk with Jesus. I can do that. Type A people, sorry, I know you want your checklists, right? You want your, want your, I woke up this morning, this is everything I got accomplished today. Jesus has room for you too, okay? Just remember when you're checking off though, when you're checking off your list, you're doing it for the right reasons, you're doing it for the commitment of obedience to the commandments, not because it's something that's compelled you to do. And when you're just walking along with Jesus, we're walking because of that relationship, not because of rituals that we have set before us, not because we're just trying to be good in God's eyes, but we're, we're following in commitment to him. John comes up in 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, and he says, By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God, we obey his commandments. We obey his commandments, simple. Not commandments plus, we obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. 
John, a disciple, maybe sitting here at Jesus' feet listening. He says, come to me, walk with me. John comes back and writes, the commandments are not burdensome. Because when you come and you yoke under Jesus and you walk with him and you come to him, he gives you rest. He gives you rest. He takes those heavy burdens of, are you doing the right thing on a regular basis? He takes the burdens of the do's and do not list. Am I being good enough? He takes that off. Why? Because Jesus says, hey, I was, I, I was good enough and I sacrificed for you. I carry the burden for you. You just walk with me and submit and I will follow with you. So as we come, as we walk with him, Scripture also says in verse 29, learn from me. We must learn from Jesus, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Because you see when the oxen are yoked together, you have one, one ox that's the mature ox. It's the older one. It's been there a while. And then you have the other one that's the young whippersnapper, right? He's a good size and thinks he knows everything. Anybody relate to that? Or at least the knowing everything, maybe not, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Anyway, the younger, inexperienced ox comes along, and he gets yoked. But the experienced ox knows exactly what to do. He knows the commands. He knows the guy that's leading them behind, right? And whatever he says, he already knows. The ox is like, hey, he made a command. I know exactly what he wants me to do. We've plowed this field before. We've gone along this way. I know when he makes this command, when he tugs on the reins, I go this way. The younger ox, the inexperienced ox, doesn't know that. He's being trained. That's why they hook them together. So when one tries to pull away, the more experienced pulls back and says, uh-uh, we're going this way. So you have to not just walk with Jesus, you have to learn from Jesus as well. So we have to learn from him. And when he nudges, when he pulls, we have to be willing to go. Otherwise, we're just fighting against him the whole way. And when we fight against him, we're not learning. But Jesus says, learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart. Let me teach you. Do as I do. Watch me and learn from me. Replicate what I'm doing. Jesus says, joyfully embrace my patterns, my priorities, and my purpose. Don't go against me. Come with me. Why? Because he says, I am gentle and lowly. I'm humble. I'm humble. And I submit to our Heavenly Father as well. One verse prior to this, in verse 27 of Matthew 11, all things, it says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. The Father and the Son, they know. Jesus came and He walked this earth with us. He says, I have the experience. I know who we're pulling behind us. I know who's leading and guiding us. I know where he wants us to go. I know all the nuances. He says we go. The reins tug. I'm there. Don't kick against me. Come with me. I know who the Father is that's leading us. John 5 verse 19 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So why are we yoking ourselves up to Jesus? Because he's doing exactly what the Father asks. And we're supposed to be doing exactly what the Father asks. Jesus didn't come 
to be an Israelite Messiah, a political Messiah. He had bigger ambitions than just taking Israel back. He wanted the world back. So he looks and says, all of you come who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke. Take up my yoke and follow me because it is gentle and it is light. Learn from me so you know what the Father's doing and, I, and you will, I can teach you along the way as we dig into the Word, as we dig into the Bible, as we dig in our quiet times. Not out of ritual, out of relationship, out of a discipleship that we have. Are you paired up with people that can help nudge you along the way? Because, see, I'm afraid that what happens is, is that when pandemic hits and the church shut down for a couple of months, did your religion shut down as well? Or did your relationship with Jesus keep going? Or did everything you based your relationship on all of a sudden shut and all of a sudden you didn't speak to God for a couple of months? Why? Because we didn't meet here. So that's a, that's a ritual. Do I think we need the church and we need to meet every week? Absolutely. Do I think we need Sunday school? And hey, I'm the number one fan for Sunday school coming back. Okay? Soon. Okay? I know y'all are ready too, okay? Soon. But if all of a sudden this building wasn't here, does my relationship with Jesus go away? Some have been hit with the reality of I didn't go to church, therefore I didn't meet with God this week. That's because you're in a ritual of coming. You need to be in a relationship with Jesus. And you don't get a good relationship just by hanging out with somebody once a week. You hang out with them on a daily basis, a regular basis. You walk with them in life. You learn from them in life. You come to them on a regular basis, not just weekly, not just every other week. You come regularly, and when you do, the promise comes. You'll find rest for your soul. You'll find rest for your soul. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are out there. Doesn't matter what's coming on in the news tomorrow or what 2020 is going to throw our way again. You'll find rest. Because when you come, walk, and learn, Jesus says you'll find rest from the burdens of your failures, your sins, and he will give you rest. John 5, 24 says, truly, truly. And I love when he says truly, truly. I translate it this way. Absolutely trust me. When you see truly, truly, just put those in there. Jesus says, absolutely trust me when I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. Trust Jesus when he says, come to me and you will find rest. Your soul will be refreshed. The burdens that you carry are, am I good enough? And am I good enough Christian? Whether it's your first step or your next step, that burden that just hammers on you and holds you down goes away. And the Spirit comes in and walking with Jesus as he nudges and guides us and says, yes, you're good enough because you've trusted in me and my burden is light. And you will find rest 
And Jesus promises us rest from the burden of trying to please God. He promises rest from religion and ritual. He promises us rest now, but also in the future. So now what? How do we live this out? How do we do this? Where are you? When Jesus gives the invitation in the scripture today and he says, come to me all. Is it your first step you need to make for Christ? Are you the one sitting out there and that burden's hit and said, I just don't know about eternal life. I don't know. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me. Maybe this is your first step. You need to come. You need to see, see Tim or I outside in the foyer afterwards. Have a conversation. I just don't know where I stand with God and I need rest in my life. But maybe you've already made that first time. Maybe we're talking about next steps. What do I do next? Because I'm just tired of having the rituals and going through the motions of being a believer. I need a deeper relationship with Christ in my life where I really saw growth and my walk with God is when someone challenged me. I was a freshman coming onto campus of Louisiana Tech. A guy named Bill Prescott sits there and he says, you know that God desires to have a relationship with you? I was like, whoa, this is new stuff. It's not new stuff. It's the first time I heard it. They've been telling me that for years. It's the first time I actually listened. He says, God desires to have a relationship with you. Not just make you a believer, but to walk with you so you can learn with him. And over a course of several years in college, we walked together. We learned together. He sharpened. Why? Because he was yoked to Jesus. And he made sure I was yoked to Jesus. And we found rest. And we found growth. And we found we knew where the Father was taking us in directions. New ministries opened up. People came to know Christ. Why? Because we just followed Jesus. Because when the invitation went out and that was my next step, I followed in the next step. What's your next step? How are you going to walk closer with God this week? How is it that you're going to yoke yourself next to him and learn from him and say, Spirit, come in and just nudge me? Because we want to sit up here and make this list of the do's and the don'ts. And we want to put out, this is what I need to do as a good church person. But if you're not following God, then it's just ritual. Don't come and play church. Let's come be church. Be the church that God has called us to be. Where has God called you to grow? Where has God called you to move? Where has God called you to serve you may not know all the answers to that. All you know is, hey, Jesus said, come, and I stepped out. I have no clue what step two is. He'll give you step two when it's time for step two. Okay? So the invitation today is Brian comes up and plays. If you need to take that first step about Christ, we're here to talk to you. If you need to just sit there and say, God, what's my next step? How can I just find rest in you in this promise? Then pray. And let the Spirit come in and God and direct you. Father God, we do thank you for today. I pray and ask in all things that we seek you. I pray and ask, Father, that we find true rest in you. We'll never be satisfied in all that we do if it's without you. But let us be nudged. Let us be guided. And let us find rest in you as we come before you today with our hearts laid open. In your name we pray. Amen.